This podcast is a project of the Climate Designers Network. Hey, this is Eric. Welcome to season three of Climathon. This season, I'm talking to women across the globe who are at the forefront of climate science and climate action. Each guest is a thought leader in one or more of the drawdown.org climate solution sectors. What, you may ask, are the drawdown.org solution sectors? Well, important topics like renewable electricity, soil and agriculture, architecture, oceans, health, education, so much more. The goal of this season is, of course, to continue to help design educators incorporate a foundation of sustainability and regeneration into their courses and, in turn, inspire more climate designers. Climate solutions are already here. You can literally start being part of the solution today. Climify brings these solutions to you. So no matter what your skill or knowledge level, you can implement what you learn today in your personal life and classroom. Jamie Beck Alexander is the perfect person to kick off this season, as she is the director at Drawdown Labs, the inspiration for our show this year. In this discussion, she'll be talking about her work at Drawdown and why every job is a climate job. I hope she inspires you to imagine your work as an educator, as one that includes climate action as part of its foundation. Hi, I'm Jamie Beck-Alexander, founding director of Drawdown Labs at Project Drawdown. Based in Duluth, Minnesota, um, and Project Drawdown's work is focused globally, though. And you can find me online on Twitter at JawBeckX or at Project Drawdown. Jamie, welcome to Climify. I'm excited to have you on the program. You were one of the people I really wanted on the show uh, after we determined the theme and our focus this year is solutions from Drawdown. So I'm glad that you said yes. Thank you for having me. It's really a thrill to be here with you. Yeah, I feel like you're a little bit of a celebrity for me after how many times I've seen your TEDx video and in my classroom and such, but I really appreciate you making that. Oh, thank you for saying that. It was uh, definitely speaking from my heart and- um, I could tell. (laughs) A bit of a, yeah, a bit of pushing the boundaries at that time. I guess it was a couple of years ago now, so it felt like it was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit pushing the boundaries, but- um, Yeah, it was actually, (laughs) because I guess it's just- something that I think will be somewhat timeless as we go forward, unfortunately, but I definitely think you did start something with that video. Thank you for saying that. I did not expect that, but I I think um, it felt like something I was kind of doing under the radar, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of questioning what in the world we were doing by having, you know, sustainability work owned by so few people. Um, So I definitely didn't, you know, didn't expect that it would like have any traction, but I'm really happy to see that within a lot of sectors of society now, we're yeah. seeing climate work kind of expand and, and you know, break down silos, which is really, I think, what we absolutely need to we see need in the it. world. It's absolute. Yeah. We need that happen. And 
I guess when you make something, it's hard to tell, right? What, what its impact's going to be, especially if you're not like, I guess you can determine how many views you've gotten, but you know, what, what people do with that is like a whole other thing. Exactly. It just feels like you have no idea if anything is ever going to reach anyone. Even even with views, you're just sort of like, was I just talking into the ether? <laughs> Shouting into the void. This like this right. podcast is, right? Right. And, you know, it, <laughs> it did kind of, yeah, right. And it did kind of, you know, I think it did um, ruffle some feathers with the the people that in at that time that I was mostly working closely with, which is chief sustainability officers inside corporations yeah, who yeah. were like, wait a second, like, <laughs> My that's job. my job right. yeah, exactly and and i'm sort of like you know maybe you should be trying to work yourself out of a job or or or, or work to have the biggest team possible that's mm -hmm. owned by everyone not just owned by by one or two people but climate is such a deeply and you know it's like a part of who a lot of us have become it's like part yeah. of our who we are as people and so i think there's a real pride in having that as part of your identity totally. and so it's really something yeah, I think saying like everybody should have climate as part of their job, it's it's it, it, it can be threatening too to people who have been working on it for a yeah. while and put their heart and soul into it. Um, so it's understandable, but I think it is where we need to where we need to move. Yeah. And and you've you've didn't start at Drawdown. You have a pretty impressive career. Um, let's see, USAID, um, series. Did I pronounce that series? Is it series? Yep, series. series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cultural Conservancy, um, a lot of good work you've been doing. And I guess I'm wondering then, because I, I tend to ask this question a lot is like, how did you get to where you are? Was it, was this part of your ethos all along? Or was there something that kind of triggered um, your movement into this impact work? So when I look back on my career, I, you know, I, I used to think that it was very random and sort of just like, how in the world did I, you know, I took this very cir circuitous path, but now I can really see how it all sort of, you know, wove together. Mm -hmm. um, my time at, you know, I initially went into, went into the workforce from college thinking I really wanted to work on public health and, and I really wanted to work in, you know, in and supporting uh, lower and middle income countries on health, you know, and health related public health issues. So I, you know, went into um, government service at USAID, which is focused on, you know, humanitarian assistance work. And in that time, I, I was based in Bangladesh and working there. And I happened to be there during the 2013 um, collapse oh of this God, yeah. massive factory called the Rana Plaza. Yeah, I remember and that. You do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just I just happened to be working there in the, you know, in the U.S. embassy there. And um, it was every you know, I mean, just seeing what happened, it killed almost a thousand Bangladeshi people. And a lot of U.S. companies or several U.S. companies had their, you know, had outsourced the manufacturing of their product in that factory. And there were such poor, you know, conditions and oversight in that factory. And companies were sort of taking advantage of it and getting you know, these lower income countries to produce their stuff. And then with, because of, because there was little oversight and regulation, um, you know, this, this horrible catastrophe happened. And that's what, that was really a turning point for me around corporate responsibility mm. and just seeing the effect of, you know, how large corporations have a very, very real um, effect on oh, yeah. people's lives around the world. 
um, and at the same time was having this this revelation about climate change living in living in Bangladesh, where, you know, there were a few months of the year when I took a when I took a kayak to the office because the place is sinking and the monsoon, you know, and the the monsoon season is getting worse and worse. And Bangladeshi people knew what was happening and they were it was clear to them that the glacier above them was melting because of climate change. And it was, you know, I mean, they, there were, there were just a lot of realizations I had in that, in that time period working in Bangladesh um, that I think kind of coalesced to um, just kind of inspire me what to want to work on a climate change as a foundational issue of everything else we care about. And then, you know, kind of really wanting to work on a corporate accountability within that. Yeah, the corporate accountability part. I was just looking at, I shared this on Instagram uh, story, maybe it was yesterday, but the the companies that are contributing the most since 2016 to our carbon emissions, gas and oil, coal, mining, the who's who of, uh, of carbon emitters here like Chevron, uh, you name it, right? They have a huge role in all of this. Right. And I mean, they, there are names and faces too. Like there are, (laughs) there are a handful of people, you know, with their hands, literally with their hands on the dials of how much, you know, of our greenhouse gas emissions continue to be churning into the atmosphere every second, making this crisis worse. I mean, there are, there are a, a finite number of people who are making those decisions day after day. And you know, I think part of our work within Drawdown Labs, and we don't work with, you know, with big fossil fuel companies or, or you know, oil and gas or mining companies. Yeah, good to hear. But <laughs> but we do try to, you know, try to say we're never going to get out of this by by relying on the same, you know, power rest with a handful of people who are beholden to investors who need to show profit every single quarter who can't, who are unable to think in the medium or longer term yeah. about global, you know, about our human and planetary health. And so we try, so that's another part of, you know, the importance of every job as a climate job is more people who may not be taught, you know, have to be tied to, you know, showing profit, you know, quarter over quarter, who can actually help make decisions with the health of people and planet in mind. Um, you know, having more people throughout the business raise their concerns, put their passion to work and their expertise to work can only help us, you know, kind of move beyond the, the status quo that is that is putting all of our, you know, everything we know and love at risk. Yeah. More voices, more participation, right? right? Yeah. Well, let's talk about Drawdown Labs, Drawdown Labs because uh, you are- I the... do like Drawdown Lads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That could, that could be something. It could be a teacher. <laughs> or like a calendar or something. Yeah, there you go. Right. The, the, uh, the, the really, lads of drawdown. The lads of drawdown. It could be a fundraiser <laughs> for that. You know, um, I, I get like 1% of the um, profits from. Yes, yes. <laughs> for yes. My... Well, let's talk about Drawdown Labs as you are the reason for our season this year. And I'm, I think I may understand why you started it, maybe from that time in Bangladesh, but why don't you go into the history of how you, how you started Drawdown Labs and, and what its mission is? Yeah, thank you. Well, so I guess I'll, I'll start with broader Project Drawdown, which is, you know, sort of Drawdown Labs is one program of Project Drawdown, which is a nonprofit organization 
laser focused on climate solutions. So what are the solutions to climate change? You know, we have them in our hands today. We know what they are. We know the practices and technologies that we need to shift to to get us out of this mess. And they're going to save us money. They're going to improve our lives, our health, our cities, equity, poverty. They're going to help us address all these other things at the same time. And so our, you know, our broader organization's purpose is to lift up those solutions and make them tangible, actionable, and, you know, kind of decision-worthy, decision-making worthy for, for different actors in society. Um, so then within that, Drawdown Labs, the program that I sort of designed and launched three years ago, is focused on, okay, you know, we, we have these solutions in hand. We know what they are but they're not scaling quickly enough. They're yes. not, you know, we need them to scale so quickly that they displace the things we did in the past that are no longer compatible with thriving life on our planet. And so how do we get those climate solutions to scale and, and displace the, the bad stuff, right? The more carbon intensive ways that we used to do things. Well, you know, one of the, the truths about our current economic system is that some of the biggest actors that are responsible for a big chunk of the problem, also have the resources, the scale, the influence, um, the clout to be able to to address this problem quickly. Mm -hmm. So we so within Drawdown Labs, we sort of, you know, with that understanding, we work with companies, investors, and then kind of philanthropists to and our, and our, we started. We're kind of known for our work with businesses because that's sort of where we started and more recently are, are now working with investors and climate funders. But our, our goal is really to kind of use or even exploit the, the resources and scale that large corporations have and put it to work for a just climate future. Um, and so, you know, I think part of what part of the, the design of Drawdown Labs early on was to address some of what I saw as major gaps in the corporate sustainability space. I came from another nonprofit called Ceres, where we worked deeply within the system to try to change, you know, try to get companies to reduce their emissions. And it was sort of like, why are, you know, why are we taking this one by one approach, We're working mm -hmm. with one company at a time to try to get them to do marginally less bad <laughs> over like three decades? Like, how, like, that is not, it, it cannot be a leadership position to achieve net zero by 2050. Like if that's a leadership position, then we're all we're doomed. Doomed. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, say, sorry to say that, but. I was going to say, use a different, yeah, <laughs> uh, less, less PC word, but yes. And so, so, you know, so Drawdown Labs was sort of a response to that saying, I'm sorry, but you know, net zero by 2050 or even 2040 is not a leadership position. That's like yeah. table stakes in order to actually, you know, for the world to achieve net zero. It means that every company yeah. needs to be there. And so how do companies, leading companies, go beyond just achieving net zero and also use their clout, their employee power, their political clout, their financial power through the bank, the banking relationships they hold? Um, their governance practices, how do they help shift capitalism? You know, to, like yeah. looking at many more of the leverage points that companies have to help achieve what we call achieve drawdown, which is this moment in time when 
when emissions in the atmosphere peak and begin to steadily decline. So it's sort of about, you know, a more holistic and more expansive definition of corporate climate leadership that leverages employees and capital and political power and all the things that companies have to be able to to influence climate change for the better. And how do you work with these companies? Is that something where you reach out to them or is it a consultancy thing? So we're not consultants. Um, we have, we, 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 you know, we're a nonprofit organization and we're very committed to all of our, all of the work that we do with our business partners being a public good. So we believe that, you know, we, we, we don't do bespoke one-on-one work that benefits one company. We have an agreement with our business partners that anything we do with them, we will make available to the broader world because every company needs I to do the that. same thing. <laughs> Open source, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the world doesn't benefit if just, you know, a handful of companies, yeah. you know, are able to, to make, to make strides. So we, um, we really work with them in ways that where we can aggregate their influence and push, you know, cl- push obstacles, you know, kind of knock down obstacles to climate action. So we'll do aggregated policy letters, like, you know, when the, the Inflation Reduction Act, our business partners, many of them came together and, you know, supported and issued their loud and public support to Congress to act on climate change, to get investments supporting climate yeah, solutions. That was a big moment. It was. It was a very big moment. And, you know, and it it, it aligned with where, you know, I I believe and I think many people believe that if companies are going to be able to achieve their emissions reductions targets, they need this, they need policy in place to help them get there. Right. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. Um, so we do things like that. We'll do, you know, we support um, kind of cutting edge business climate leadership practice. So how can we help our business partners provide green 401k options to their employees or yeah. green retirement? Plans? I would like that. I would like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that should be the default, right? It's how do how do businesses push their banks? So, you know, banks are, are finance, the, the biggest five banks in the world are responsible for financing the fossil, you know, fossil fuel companies. So how do we, how do, how do corporations that have like billions of dollars in the bank, how yeah. can they use that capital to say to their banks, hey, we've been banking with you. We have a ton of money in this bank, but we need yeah. you to stop financing fossil fuels. Yeah, we're going to pull out. Sorry. Or we're going to pull out or we're going to, yeah, or we're going to go, you know, we'll go, we'll go elsewhere or we are going to pressure you, you know, and and, and many companies aggregating together to say change or we're all going to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll build our own green bank. <laughs> like, yeah, I think there are, there's, there's pushing from the inside, you know, that, that a lot of pushing from the inside that that can happen with when you're talking about some of the biggest companies in the world, they can really, they can influence systems change on a, like on a real scale. Um, so, so working with them around, around those things and then also piloting, you know, this idea of every job as a climate job. We work with our business partners to say, what does that actually look like beyond just a mantra? You know, what does it look mm-hmm. like to tie OKRs or, you know, specific job functions and responsibilities and achievements within the procurement team or HR or sales or marketing or the legal team? What does it actually look like to embed yeah. climate action into those roles? So we do work with our business partners around that so that ideally, you know, 
literally the sustainability team is sort of like the quarterback, but there is climate action happening, you know, across the business, but the sustainability team can kind of coordinate it and lead it, but like it's happening everywhere. Yeah. So the company is more of like an ecosystem with, you know, with climate action being sort of one, uh, the North Star. Yeah, it does seem like you got it all covered with Drawdown Labs because in your working with the business partners, you have a maybe maybe a top down, but with the every job is a climate job mantra, it's bottoms up, right? So it's it's kind of taking it from two different fronts, which I think is super smart. But you totally, I feel like you you sit in on our internal meetings. That's like exactly yeah. what. Oh, really? What we're, <laughs> I mean, that's what we, that's what we tell, that's what we try to do work from, you know, the grass tops and the grass roots. And, you know, early on, we were sort of like, I I saw right through it. You did (laughs) totally. And, you know, and sort of like, how can we also be a little bit of a, a Trojan horse, you know, to kind of get in there and try to, you know, build good relationships and trust, but also speak the truth. Cause we're, you know, we're, we're on solid ground. We're speaking, you know, we have climate scientists that, that you know in our organization who are telling us the truth about how quickly things need to change and so we can like get in there you know get inside the get you know get get inside and really try to help change decision making from the inside um, yeah change the yeah. system within the system right right i think i think we need to do both i mean you know there's this like i agree yeah i mean there's this there's this i think some people set it up as a conflict do i leave do I leave my current job and go find, or do I, yeah, do I leave my current job and go find a climate job? Like, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, a job where sustainability is in the title or climate is in the title, or do I, you know, try to use my skills to make change from where I am now? And that's going to, you know, what everybody's going to make their own decision about that, but we need both. I don't think yeah, it's, we do. it's not one or the other, like the existing system deeply needs to change and quickly needs to change. And we also need people, you know, doing new things that can leapfrog and move faster. Um, so I, I think we need both change from within and then change pushing it all forward from the outside. We do. Um, last season, I interviewed two of my students. Um, one of them, Sadine, she wanted to work in the climate field and really embrace that every job is a climate job mantra from within the system. And the other student I interviewed, Adam, at the same time, he said, I, I, that's not who I am though. I'm gonna kind of push it from the outside. And we had mm-hmm. this really cool conversation about that. Oh, I would love to listen to that. That's yeah. exactly, that is the heart of, I, I love that. I would love to listen to, to their conversation and how they yeah. both came if to I that. If I could remember off the top of my head what episode it was, I would tell you, but I do not. <laughs> It's, I can go digging. <laughs> you can go digging. Yeah. For anyone that's listening, if you miss that episode, it's one of the better ones because we really hear from the students, younger generation, about what they're thinking about when they're going into the workforce. And yeah. I can tell you, they are thinking every job is a climate job. They just don't know how to verbalize it until I think Amazing. they watch your video, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> then they know. Yeah. Then they know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it's funny, I actually used to, um, I was a, a mentor with another organization called Terra.do. I don't know if hmm. you've heard of them. Oh, we and had they, them on the show last season too. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I was a mentor for them. And one person I was mentoring was grappling with this decision. He worked inside um, 
like in the belly of the beast, like in a one of the big oil oil companies will remain nameless. <laughs> but um, and and he was deeply committed, deeply passionate about climate change, and you know it was gr- grappling with do i try to stay and like push things faster and try to you know organize employees internally and you know do more activism inside the company or do i just you know do i say like i just can't i can't do this yeah and, well, i totally understand that yeah and it's i it's definitely a personal decision but i don't think vilifying people work inside, you know, I think, I think we need those, we need, we also need those people to push faster from the inside as well. So yeah, I'd love to listen to that episode. Um, I'll have to dig it up from last year. Thanks for sharing Or while I'll, while we're talking, I'll I'll slowly find it on my phone, but (laughs) (laughs) I will say that I can totally relate to the person that you mentioned from Tara in that prior to me going into teaching, I worked, um, at a Fortune 50 company and ended up reading some, well, I know which book it was, Cradle to Cradle, mm-hmm. and really had basically a life, life-changing life moment. And I tried to go back to the workplace and I guess change it from within, but this is like 2002, I think, 2003. Mm-hmm. And and I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have the vocabulary, the knowledge. And that's pretty much why I went to graduate school um, to try to get that information so I could go change it from within. But then I felt, wait, I could teach and affect a lot more people all at once. Yeah. Potentially. So that's why I got into education. Oh, incredible. Wow. I love that story. What a inspiring story for your oh. students. Well, speaking of which, it's episode 11 Ooh, okay. from season two. So <laughs> I, season two, I dug it up on my 11. phone while we were talking here. Got it. Amazing. Well, well I'm going to listen to it. Well, thank you. I'm, I would appreciate any input that, that you might have from that. Well, speaking of students, um, I teach. A lot of my listeners teach. And many students are looking to do a lot of good with the design knowledge that they have. And so they complain to me all the time that they look for a sustainable designer or something like that, designer for impact. Um, And they cannot find enough job titles with that. So I'm wondering what your advice might be for any student uh, wanting to work in, in climate action. And I think I know what you might say, but I'm I'm, I need some more um, help with talking with my students about this. Right. That's such a great question. I mean, on the highest, uh, you know, on the sort of the highest level, figuring, building the world that we all want to live in together and that is sustainable and, you know, can inhabit, you know, where we, we can all inhabit and th- thrive, you know, life can thrive. That's a design question, right? It is, is that- yeah. That's like how do yeah like we've never I feel like never in human history have we thought thought intentionally and thoughtfully about what the world is that we want to live in together right it just sort of like happened <laughs> mm-hmm. and now like we know that we need to rebuild every part of society and we know how to we essentially you know we we have like sort of the tools like we we 
you know, solar panels, regenerative agriculture, indigenous land tenure. Like we have, we, we have the, the products, the things. Now we need to figure out like, what does this look like in communities? What does this look like in a place like where I live in Duluth, Minnesota? And how is that different yeah. from Austin, Texas or Berkeley, California? You know, and those are, those are like some of the most exciting design challenges you know, I could imagine that, you know, we're designers coming together with climate scientists, coming together with builders. And I think that, you know, on the very highest level, that's not an actionable thing, but just on the highest level, when you think about it, you know, kind of theoretically, um, I think of it as a as a very exciting design, design challenge. Um, and then, you know, in terms of look, you know, getting getting more practical, like, what does it look like when you're looking for a job because a lot of, I mean, we worked with a design firm, IDEO, yeah. when, um, like when I, when I was launching Drawdown Labs, it was just me. I was the only person working on Drawdown Labs. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you know, I don't know how to, like, I knew what I, what I wanted to do. I had no idea how to build it. So I, the very first email I sent from my drawdown.org email was an email to IDEO where I had I, I knew I knew some people. I had done some consulting there in the past, and I was like, "Okay, I need like a design sprint with you all. Like, help me figure out what are the gaps am I trying to address? What are what what is my what is my organization's superpower? How do we structure this? How do we move mountains? How do we do you know?" And they were instrumental in. And these weren't these weren't like climate designers. These this was an yeah. organizational designer. This was a you know a systems designer. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it was kind of a bunch of people from throughout IDEO, not one of which had sustainability or climate in their in their title and had probably never worked on, you know, many of them probably hadn't really ever worked on a, a sustainability challenge before, but they were listening to what are you trying to achieve? What is the current state of play? How do we design, a, you know, something that matches what you're looking for? Yeah. Um, and they helped me design and launch Drawn Down Labs together collaboratively. Um, and so, you know, I think, and then I, and then since then, I, you know, I know IDEO has been on a very exciting journey with how they, how they try to embed climate across different design functions. Oh, I didn't know that. That's good to hear. Yeah. So they're, they're really building that out now. And, um, so I think, you know, it's about kind of looking at, you know, the different aspects of design and, you know, are you, are you interested in like product design, organizational design, graphic design. And even if sustainability isn't your job title, there are ways to infuse that into your work, right? And I think mm -hmm. that is going to be the future. I mean, I don't think we're going to be spending a lot more years designing things that are not compatible, you know, with, yeah. with, with sustainability. And so getting really, you know, kind of just looking for ways to, to infuse that into whatever type of design work you do. Um, and then also looking at, you know, how can you how can you raise conversations internally about climate change and how can you look at how you can influence your clients? You have a really designers have a really important role and probably in many many cases access um, other influential clients. And how can you influence them and use your, you know, sort of use use your relationships to not just not just bolster, you know, climate action inside your own, wherever you're working, but also with your clients. Um, so I would say, I mean, the most important thing to me as you're looking at where to work, you know, is sort of 
Mm. Where can I have the most, you know, what am I really good at and how can I infuse climate the most there? And if it seems like the company or, you know, a business that you're looking at working for is is open to sort of being pushed or being challenged, like, which hopefully most design yeah. firms would be. Um, that's, <laughs> that's what it we sounds are. like, yeah, it sounds like that would be sort of what I would look at. So it sounds like we're perfect partners here and <clears throat> that the climate designers group as a whole, and then this podcast as well, we're trying to get that information to design educators like you are through the every job is a climate job mantra. And when they graduate, right, they can bring that to these conversations with the clients. So, um, exactly. I mean, that's, that's why I chose you uh, and Drawdown Labs and the Drawdown Sectors for this season. That's so exciting. Yeah. And, and you're <laughs> absolutely right. I mean, it. yeah, I mean, it, it really is. I think it, it, it's, it's such a, it feels like a beautiful coming together of, you know, of, of climate and design in a way that. We need, you know, in, in a yeah. generative and, and like exciting and creative way. I think that's, that's exactly what the world needs. I agree. And since this season is all about that and solutions to our um, climate uh, problems, I'm interested in what you felt some of the successes have been with Drawdown Labs in terms of really positive outcomes. Do you have any favorites or some success stories that... Um, that can be inspirational for for our listeners. Yes, <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm laughing because some of them. Um, I think well, I think part of what needs to happen is like I think feathers do need to be ruffled, and that's why I'm laughing because some oh, of yeah. the things that I would mention are not necessarily things that have made everyone in my organization and birth. It wasn't happy kumbaya. because they have yeah because they have you know some some things that I am the most proud of were the most controversial. Um, and I, like I, I mean, I think that's what we need to do for those of, you know, for those people that have a relative comfort and stability, like we better be, we better be trying to push as hard as we can, you mm -hmm. know? Right. Like I, and so one of the things that I'm proudest of was, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of those, of these like business climate coalitions out there run by NGOs where, you know, NGOs work with businesses and try to like lift them up as climate leaders. And a lot of times it's a lot of greenwashing and a lot of PR. And mm. I did not want that to happen with Drawdown Labs. And so, you know, I was sort of like, as an NGO, we have very, very little leverage over these big behemoth corporations. But one leverage point we do have is, you know, like I can we can talk freely about how much our business partners are doing or not to the, you know, to publicly. And oh. so, yeah, <laughs> you can name names. We can name names. So, there there have been a few instances where you know I have been open about my disappointment in various ways. There was you know specifically one one thing I'm thinking of where um, we we took out a full page ad in the New York Times last year. Oh my! To, to say I we used my, our own programmatic budget, took out a full page ad in the New York Times. It is not inexpensive to do, and it must be totally expensive, right? It's very, it's very <laughs> expensive. But we felt like you know the Build Back Better Act was just was felt like it was hanging in the balance. We were hearing from from legislators that hey, we really need business support to get this over the line. 
And the Build Back Better Act is what then became, it ultimately failed, but then became, you know, major portions of it became the Inflation Reduction Act. So we were hearing like, we really need, um, we really need businesses to step up and be loud about their support for climate, for a climate bill. And so we took out, we were like, what's the biggest, boldest thing we could do? And we took out a full page on the New York Times and, you know, big, bold said, you know, uh, you know, we have the solutions to the climate or, you know, the world has the solutions to the climate crisis. Now we need Congress to act, basically. You know, we, we mm-hmm. need Congress to pass bold climate policy. And we went out to all of our business partners and extended community and said, put your logo on this and like show that you're that you support this. And most did. But a few of our very big um, kind of biggest, largest corporations that we work with did not. And so. Surprising. Yeah. So we got all kinds of questions from the press like, oh, I noticed that XYZ companies didn't have their logo. And I like gave very candid interviews about how disappointed I was and how I questioned whether they're climate leaders if they're not gonna like support Good. climate Good policy. You. So that was, I mean, you know, and then we were told later, like the business voice did make a difference in getting the Inflation Reduction Act passed ultimately. So it was controversial. I'm sharing that story because it was controversial, and then I did get in some hot water with certain. Of our business partners. Um, But ultimately, you know, I think it I think it's important for us to find accountability and like courage where we can. And like if we can push things, even if it's controversial or not totally comfortable, like I think that that's that's where we are like that. We have such little time and we need to pull out all the stops and use every tool we have at our disposal. Yeah, well, our so, country owes a lot to you then. With that, <laughs> you should get some sort of a presidential medal of honor. <laughs> Goodness, I didn't know there, that. That's that's so cool. Oh, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no way you could ever tie. That's the thing about climate change. You know, it's so hard to ever tie mm-hmm. to ever say like I helped do that. You know, right. but in some very small way, I think we like to think that we played some small I think part. You did. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't get the New York Times, but I was already bored with it. So, <laughs> yes. Well, I will hang my proverbial, um, my Eric granted presidential right. medal That's in right. the background of my Zoom calls. <laughs> if I could. And if one day I am president of the United States, I'll give it to you. That, that's going to be highly unlikely. unfortunately. <laughs> we can dream. Yeah. Well, what's next for you at, at Drawdown? What's your... Um, What's your success story at Drawdown in the future? How do you how do you measure uh, success for you? Wow, that is a great question. Yeah, good luck answering that one. That's a- yeah. I mean, you know what? I, I've actually been working with a coach who who gave me this great advice. She said, um, "What got you here is not necessarily what's going to get you to the next place." Mm. And so, or I'm bungling the words, but something like that. Like basically, I, yeah, I get the idea though. It's- yeah, and sort of so so I am in this process of sort of like okay, what do we what do we what 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 is next? And yes, we've like our, our my team has done, you know, a lot of work to do these like, you know, employee resources and really try to help employees get more active on climate change, but like what's next? Is it yeah. you know, thinking about how how are employees protected in the workplace? Is it unionizing? Is it, you know, like, how do we, 
as we start to see more layoffs in certain sectors, how do we use that? I mean, I'm not sure, but I think, you know, we're sort of in this process now of thinking, okay, we've started this conversation, provided some resources. How do we keep pushing and how like what's what's the next thing for us to push? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, that is very much a in process, uh, yeah. thought, thought exercise right now, but, um, I would love to come back to you on that one. Yeah. Well, I hope we can help here in that, yeah. you know, we want to get more of these climate solutions in the classroom the, so that there's just more people, um, knowing, like you said, it, we have the solutions we just need to embrace them and, and do them. And there's these people with gobs of money and, yeah, you know, if they put their money, you know, where it needed to be for the future of our <laughs> civilization, right. You know, right. we see such big changes. So I, we, I hope we can help with you with your, with what's next at Drawdown. I love that. I mean, there are so many, there are so many incredible synergies between your work and ours. So that definitely feels like a frontier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're running out of time here and it comes to, um, again, my favorite question, uh, by now my listeners should know, uh, what that is. And, uh, I want to put you in, uh, an ed- design educator's shoes just for a moment, hopefully designer shoes. And, uh, Share with uh, us your through your own work and knowledge and experience. What would you do? What would you assign if you were teaching uh, my class? Oh, yeah. What would I assign? Yeah, you can do anything. Teaching your class. What- oh, I would think. I mean, I am so I'm really intrigued right now about organizational design. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a component of your class, but just thinking about how systems function and it is totally how to yeah okay and how to how to exert pressure in various parts of the system and um you know kind of identifying leverage points influence like yeah I think of like a pow- almost like a power mapping exercise which I guess Ooh. is sort of like could be a design challenge and. Thinking about, you know, I don't know if you would want to go as broad as like capitalism itself, but looking at, you know, just like the systems around us and how do we, how do we apply some design principles to moving this, our economic system toward one that is, um, you know, is not so incessantly focused on profit above all else and can also value human and planetary health. And to me that there are aspects of that are, that are a major design challenge and where is their power and who has influence and mapping out i don't know if this is necessarily a design challenge but kind of map yeah mapping out like okay we have the market the broad like sort of capital markets and then there are investors and corporations and banks and individuals and what is this design? What is the design of this whole system that we've set out for ourselves that is like locking us into these decisions we're making that are, you know, that are digging us into mm-hmm. our own grave? And how, where are they? <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just if they're designed, like, how might we, how might we like maintain? I don't know. I don't know what the how might we question is there, but. Um, 
how might, might we lead design? us to a, a good question in the end, right? Yeah, maybe maybe that's the question. Not just like how might we design another like economic system, but like how do we work with what we've got right now? Because mm -hmm. we know we know what we have. We know the different points of leverage we have. We know the different like systems that are in place. Um, maybe the challenge, maybe the design question is like where are opportunities for design to influence this system? That's or, a great question. Yeah, a I don't great know. Project. And yes, indeed, uh, systems thinking, right, is something that I teach in my classes with an emphasis on life-centered oh, as opposed to human-centered. Um, I love What that. problems that can cause. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. I've never heard of that, but that, yeah. I love it. That's such, that's a great, it's all that's a it. great reframe. Yeah. yeah I think life -centered. so too. <laughs> life-centered design. Yes. So yes, your your assignment is something that definitely did, it's a great design assignment. Um, same wavelength. This is why we're good drawdown and climate designers match. Where yeah, uh, this is what I'm doing in my classroom. You Very know, cool. I want students to think this way, and um, they're not going to be able to unless they see how everything is connected. I, yes. Well, if any of your students ever want to help me out with a power mapping exercise, Maybe. looking inside some big corporations, like where's their power? How can we give employees more power? How do we like access the decision makers? And what are all the things? If you ever have any, any, uh, any students interested in that area, oh, feel surely. free to send yeah. them my well, way. <laughs> I, I name dropped two students today and hopefully they have listened to this and <laughs> They will reach out to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to listening to that, yeah. to that recording. Yeah. Well, it was a great time today. I really enjoyed um, hearing more about your work at Drawdown Labs and what you hope to do. And, and I, I think we have a, a great opportunity to work together to help get, to make sure everyone knows every job is a climate job. I love it. Eric, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. And this was a really fun thank conversation and I look I forward agree. to more, more to come. Yes, definitely. And before we go, where can we find you online again, Jamie? Uh, so projectdrawdown.org on the web. And then on Twitter, uh, Project Drawdown is at Project Drawdown. And I am at J-A-B-E-C-K-X on Twitter. Climify is produced, edited, and engineered by me. A huge special thanks to Ellen Keith Shaw and Christine Pilot for their gorgeous work on the new branding, Batul Rashik and Mark O'Brien for their design help, and Brandy Nichols for her strategic guidance on improving the offerings of this podcast. If you enjoy the work we all do here, and you have a spare minute or two, we truly appreciate if you left a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. The more folks that review our program, the higher the algorithm pushes up Climify in the search results. And in turn, the more likely we all can learn how to become climate designers. <laughs>